Let's look at Romans chapter 12 for a few minutes. I have something that's been stirring in my heart last couple hours, and I'm going to see if it's if it's still the you know the way we should go, and uh, and and so we'll start talking about it and see what happens as we go. Everybody okay with that? Amen. I'm okay with having a believers meeting without teaching, as most of you, if you've been to these, we you know that that you know we didn't always have to have teaching. Because I may minister to individuals and lay hands on people if, if the Lord leads us. We do that a lot, and, and uh, we'll just do whatever. But like I said, I, I've already been edified in the service tonight. And I trust you, because what, what we do here requires participation. You know, I mean, if anyone is used to going to church where you just kind of watch, and uh, you just kind of watch and listen, uh, that doesn't work in this kind of service. It really doesn't work the way we do our Sundays either. I mean, it's just not ideal. We should all always be have an active role in it. In other words, we praise out loud. You know, I, I was in Arizona the other day uh, ministering on Sunday, as some of you know. And one of the things I, I taught I taught was from James 5, and it says, Is anyone merry? Let him sing psalms. In other words, if you're happy, <laughs> if you've got joy in your heart, don't you're not supposed to be quiet. You're supposed to praise God. You're not supposed to let someone else praise God for you. You're not supposed to watch the worship team. Well, I'm happy. Well, if you're happy, shout, sing, praise. That's a biblical, uh, you know, recommendation and, and, and guideline. Amen. And it's the absence of letting things that are good come out that keep them down in to where they're not uh, benefiting our lives. Anything good that God says to you, that He shows you, He reveals to you, let it out. Both through action, through praise. Sometimes you pray it out. Sometimes you shout it out, say it. Sometimes you, it's an, ac- an action word. Amen. But the days of idle Christianity and just hearing, and th- those things are gone. We've, I think most people have figured out that doesn't work. It doesn't work. We need to be active participants in the plan of God. So we do something. It's one thing to have a gym membership. It's a whole other thing to work out. (laughs) I just don't understand it. What is going on? I got this little thing here. Got my barcode. I can get in. I have to lift those heavy things? Wow. (laughs) Yeah, you have to do something with it. Amen. Where did I tell you to go? Romans? Romans chapter 12. Verse 1 of Romans 12 says, let me me get there. I can start quoting it, but I don't want to mess it up. It says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Reasonable. In other words, it makes sense to do that. How many know worshiping God, serving God, presenting your life to God in a way that's acceptable to Him, Him, not just acceptable by those around us, not acceptable by our culture, acceptable to Him, that's that's logical. It makes sense. You can wrap your mind around it. All right. In other words, you could say the opposite, uh, to not present your whole being, your whole body, to not serve the Lord in every way like that. That doesn't make a whole lot of sense, especially if you say, I'm a Christian. 
but then you don't live your life in accordance with Christian directives, principles, scriptures. That doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Everybody with me on this? Okay. That's unreasonable. But if you'll use any kind of reason, you know, and how many know in the world they want to accuse us of checking our brains at the door? But just the opposite so. You can use reason. <laughs> you, you can use logic and come to the conclusion that, hmm, God is right. You know, any time you find a, uh, the wisdom of God, a word, word from God that's recorded in, in our Bibles, and uh, just go ahead and accept that it's true. It's interesting that through time, and people are still doing it today, they'll find different events of history and say, well, that didn't really happen. Or that's just allegorical. That's not literal. That didn't. That event didn't really happen. Or you shouldn't take it literally. And then as, as time passes, um, you know, different archaeologists go into different parts of the world and they dig things up, and lo and behold... That looks like this. That's what was talked about in the Bible. There those people are. There's that city. There's, you know, writings about this event that everyone said that didn't really happen. And that stuff continues to happen year after year. More stuff. And, and all it does is continually prove that God is right. And really, any honest, any honest and uh, legitimate study or poll, if you will, you know, they study something over a number of years and anything that's honest ultimately comes down to that God is right about stuff. It's kind of like this. In the world, the mentality goes like this. If you're single and you have a uh, an interest in someone and you think you might want to have a long-term future with them, you think you might want to get married, uh, you should probably test the waters. In other words, live together for a while to see how it goes. And if it goes well, then you can go the next step and get married. And that will up the odds of staying together. That's worldly thinking, right? But how many know studies have been done now? Come to find out, God was right. Fornication's bad. Huh? It just really is. Come to find out. The studies bear it out. They say the, the, the chances of divorce go up when people approach their relationships that way. They're more likely to get divorced. Well, I didn't need that study. I didn't need that, that confirmation. But the further someone goes, whether it's digging up things that are thousands of years old, you know, there's more and more evidence. People keep finding evidence for something that a lot of people in this world consider to be uh, religious mythology, and that's called a, a global flood. Archaeologists keep digging things up, and they find out it sure looks like, based upon the residue and based along how long this river has been here and how long these things have happened in the residue, it's like this thing's only been here for like about 4,500 years. And all these things keep happening. And yet people say, oh, that stuff didn't really happen. It wasn't literal. It's in the earth. It's in physical evidence. And these things are going to keep coming up more and more and more. I don't mean that everyone's going to accept it and believe it. But there it is. I say we go ahead and just go ahead and, you know, take the plunge and say, God, you're right. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and take you at your word. I'm going to go ahead and believe that what you say is right and true for me. Amen. Verse 2. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed 
by the renewing of your mind. Be what? Transformed by the renewing of your mind that, so that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now, some of you know that word transformed comes from the Greek word where we get the word metamorphosis. It's a Greek word, metamorpho, and we get metamorphosis, you know, the, the butter caterpillar to the butterfly. And it's, what it's saying basically is you're going to change in a very practical and visible way when you start thinking like God. When your mind is changed and you start thinking the thoughts of God and not the thoughts of this world, you'll have an outward change. Your life will be different. But you can be a Christian and think like the world. You could have come to a knowledge of the truth, bowed your knee to the Lord, made, it, made Jesus the Lord of your life, you were born again, but still have the thinking of this world. And I tell you what, the, who, the, the one we listen to the most is the one we're going to think like. If I listen to the world, if I listen to all the things of this world continually, and they flood my life, they flood my time, they flood my day, there's no doubt about it. I'm just going to be a worldly person. I'm going to be a worldly thinking person. But if I spend my time in in God's Word and in relationship and fellowship with Him, I'm going to start thinking like Him. All right, And it pleases Him. It is actually worship to God. And it will enable me to offer my body to live right when I think right. It's very difficult to try to live right when you think wrong. To try to please God with your actions, with your decisions, with your, your life choices when you have the mentality and thinking of this world. And guess what? Every one of us ha- ha- has to do this. None of us came out of, the, uh, you know, out of the womb. Of course, we're kind of a blank slate for the most part. But we came out of the womb and then came up through life in whatever culture we grew up in. We just came out of that thinking like God. No, I mean, some of us were better off than others, just, just depending on the environment you were in and what people said to you. But we all have some worldly thinking that needs to be outed, ousted from our lives so we can begin to think like God thinks. Hallelujah. Amen. And so, uh, and, and so that's, that's what we need to do. So there, there's really this kind of message, this kind of subject, you can go a thousand different directions now. What do I mean? You could really pick any subject, any life experience of this world and say, okay, am I thinking like God here or am I thinking like the world? Because here's the deal. Our culture is getting more and more ungodly. The world around us, now there may be pockets where, where, you know, where godliness and godly thinking is on the rise and wherever a lot of people are getting saved and the Word is being taught, you know, one of those pockets could be in this building, you know, or, you know, in our, in our city. But in the world as a whole, the, the mentality, the thoughts are going the wrong direction. People are becoming more ungodly. Uh, I mean, our, our country is becoming more and more ungodly. It doesn't mean that people aren't getting saved. They are. We need to speed up the rate. But people are getting saved here and in many places all across our country just on a, on a daily basis. And thank, thank God for that. Okay? But the world is getting more ungodly. Turn on the news. Watch, the, watch movies. Watch the things that are prevalent. And it's not getting closer and closer to Jesus. It's getting further and further away. What does that mean for us? It means that we have to keep our guard up more and more or we will be worldly minded. We'll, we'll, our minds will be, uh, you know, will be transformed the other way. <laughs> you know, butterfly back to the caterpillar. 
Now, I don't mean I'm not talking about losing your salvation because you think wrong about some some uh, social issues. Uh, but I am talking about where we're, we're no longer looking like we're supposed to look and therefore experiencing these things. You know, the Bible says over in one place about Lot. Remember Lot? He was uh, Abraham's nephew, Lot, and he, he parted ways and he went to Sodom, Sodom and Gomorrah. Remember that? Uh, evil places full of sin. And, and Sodom was a, uh, a place... Well, anyway, it was really bad, but here's what it says about him, that his righteous soul was vexed from day to day, seeing and hearing the things which, which they did. In other words, Lot went in there righteous. His righteous soul, soul is his mentality, his emotions, how he thinks. He went in there righteous and was still called righteous, but he was so messed up because every single day he's seeing the debauchery, he's seeing the sexual perversion, and all the stuff that the people in the city that he was living in were doing. And it was, it was on a very grand scale. What was happening? He was being corrupted. His thinking, his activity, even, even to where when you read about that, you read some of the things that he did, and you want to go back and say, you sure he was righteous? You know, when the, you can read the story, it's Genesis 19, when the, when the angels came to town, because that city was about to be destroyed, angels came to town, and, and, and they went into Lot's house, and the men of that city, were, they saw these two guys, they were angels, they didn't know they were angels, they saw these guys and they wanted to have sex with them, and so they're banging down the door of Lot's house. And uh, because they're so perverted and they go in there and Lot says, no, wait, wait. Okay, you know, they're visitors, they're our guests. Why don't you take my two daughters, they're virgins, go ahead and take them. You know, it's like, dude, you're messed up. Isn't he? (laughs) I mean, it's just, why was he messed up? It's because that's all he saw day in and day out. Sometimes you got to change your environment. Sometimes you got to change what you're feeding on. Okay, and we're only going to have the thoughts of God if we intentionally feed on God's words, God's thoughts. And we're only going to be able to then offer our bodies a living sacrifice and, and do these things that are pleasing to Him if our minds are filled with His thoughts. And so, you know, talking about that subject, that's one of the hot-button issues. When I say that subject, the subject of uh, homosexuality, which, which, um, which uh, Sodom and Gomorrah were were filled with. And it's what basically they were destroyed for. Uh, judgment fell on them. Uh, you know, even to say that word today probably makes some people nervous. And uh, makes me a little bit nervous because I know some people want to throw, probably want to throw stones at me if I talk about it. And I'm glad we're not in the stoning type of country. But it comes in emails now. <laughs> it's a little less painful. No bleeding involved. But I know when you talk about social issues uh, that our country is going south very fast on, we got to answer it. We got to ask ourselves the question: Am I am I a Bible believing Christian, or am I a Christian that sets aside the Word of God? Am I do I just interpret God in the light of society, or my experience, or what's comfortable, or what feels good, or do I literally take God at His word and say I'm going to let Him be the standard bearer? Uh, and, and I know again, whenever you say these things. You know, some people will will accuse you of uh, of being a hater and all this kind of stuff. When reality is just the opposite's the truth. If you really love someone and you know someone, you'll tell them you'll tell them what's right. You'll tell them what's true. And for what purpose? To drive them down? To hurt them? No. To help? To lift up? 
to truly do what's necessary. Amen. Got quiet in here already. Look at a couple of scriptures with me. Go to Leviticus 18. Leviticus 18. A lot of talk about these things. This is Old Testament and, and, and this is law. And I know we're not under law. And, and, and sometimes these things are dismissed because of that very fact. But we live in a time. And how many know the very, for the very first time, the president of our country, and, and of course the car country being in the place that it is, being the, the superpower of the world, the most powerful in, in the world, really has a, the most powerful human voice in the world. What, what's, go, what's going on is uh, for the first time, someone in that much power is, is vocally and demonstrably pushing for that, that some men should have sex with other men and some women should have sex with other women. I know they don't say it exactly like that, but that's the gist of it. When you say homosexual, you're talking about an act. You're talking about a sexual act of two people. And for the very first time, it showed, I think some of this stuff shows us the Lord is coming back soon. The Lord Jesus is coming back soon. And, and I know we're talking to, uh, you know, for the most part, most, mostly believers in here, so we can handle this kind of talk, right? Everybody okay? All right. I got my Kevlar on. No. Big honking angels. And, and, and so we should have a we should have a biblical perspective. I think we should we should have an understanding. We should know what's going on when we talk about these things. Is it uh, is it just a, are these things an equal and our alternative lifestyle, or are they really sin? Is it really contrary to the nature of God? And when you understand that God from the beginning, when you talk about this kind of relationship, we need to have a, a, a biblical perspective, a, a, a right thinking. Again, and why, 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 why do we do this? Why do we talk about this? Why do we want to adapt it? It's being pushed down our throat every day. We need to know we're either going to adapt to the world or we're going to adapt to the thinking of God. And in the beginning, you know, I mean, you know how God made them. He made them male and female. That's always been God's plan. Jesus reiterated that when he was asked about these things. God made a man and God made a woman. Not two men and a woman. Not two women and a man. Not two men. Not two women. Not a man and an animal. You know, say, well, oh, well that's just horrendous. That's, oh, that's... I can't even hardly think of that. Well, there was a time, it wasn't only but a handful of years ago, when people could hardly think of what's normal today. Could hardly even imagine it. It was just like, oh, that will never happen. And yet here it is. I tell you, the world is on a downhill slide going very, very quick. What are we going to do? Are we Are going to cave? Are we Are going to have a biblical perspective? All right. Now, now, now back under the law, um, uh, you see it in Leviticus 8 in verse 22. Leviticus 8.22, or 18, excuse me. Did I say 8? meant to say 18. 18.22. You shall not lie with a male as with a woman. It is an abomination. It is a what? Abomination. And then the 20th chapter, the 20th chapter in the 13th verse, it reads, If a man lies with a male as he lies with a woman, both of them have committed an abomination. They shall surely be put to death. So that was the penalty back then. 
That's not the penalty today. We live under grace. People can be changed today. Okay? But then, uh, he said, their blood shall be upon them. He said, it's an abomination. They'll be put to death. Now, it wasn't too long ago. And I, I say this, but there's, people are still saying it today. It, it's, it's shocking. Not too long ago, people were really saying that if someone is a homosexual, male or female, uh, lesbian, what you know, the different terms they use... They can't be changed because that's just in their DNA. That's who they were born, how they were born, and they can't be truly changed. All that stuff is just nonsense. Well, I I don't know about you, but I know of a number of people who used to be. They used to be, and yet they're still saying, "Well, no, if you you either are or you're or you're not. You're either this or you're not this." Then why are people changing so much? I mean, people are changing both directions. I can tell you firsthand stories of people that I've been able to, to assist and help in, in, in encouragement and break the power of the enemy off of their life. And they change. And they change. And they used to be into the homosexual lifestyle. And now they don't want anything to do with it. Married, kids, have families. I, I, know, of, I know of situations of people where, where, someone, where people change and they didn't even get saved. It's like, you would think that. But I mean, they're still ungodly. They don't have a relationship with God. And they were one thing, they were in that, that kind of relationship for years. Relationships usually is the case. Stats show most of them, the, the majority have at least 500 partners in their lifetime. And, uh, and, and a, a huge percentage, 20 or 30% have over 1,000 partners in their lifetime. So what you hear in the media, for the most part, is not true. It's only like, it's less than 5% that you know, or in the committed lifetime relationship, like it's said. Most of that stuff is just not true. There is an agenda, all right? There is, uh, there, is, there is an enemy that's trying to promote these things as being absolutely equal to and normal and acceptable, and it's not the case. You know, just from a natural standpoint, maybe some of you have read some of the, the studies, and, and I've read some of the stats and some of the studies, uh, and you can look these things up for yourself, but just take out the Bible, Take out what we read there, and we'll get a, we'll show you a couple other things. Take out all that stuff and just look at it naturally. It's a very dangerous lifestyle. Lifespans are shortened by decades. Shortened by decades. I mean, uh, disease rates are off the chart. Depression within within women. I, I, I see. I saw this recently in the news because our government, yay, they're funding to find out why lesbians, some of them are. are overweight. Of course, that's what you want your taxes to go to, right? We need that study. Maybe they eat too much. I don't know. <laughs> I, I'm just saying. But, but, but literally, the stats, and these are not just, these are not just stats from, from churches or someone who's opposed to something. Just the facts show that the lifestyle in so many areas are way off the charts. I mean, abuse and suicide and, and all, just in so many different areas, people who are in that lifestyle, it's a tough deal. You would think there'd be label warnings just for that reason alone. I mean, we want to label everything else. You know, like like cigarettes, of course, and I'm not for that. I, I know it can be detrimental to someone's health. Uh, but it's a much smaller percentage. I mean, you, you, your chances go way up if you want to smoke every day as opposed to being in a homosexual lifestyle. It's way more dangerous to be in that lifestyle. Yet, you're not told that. 
you know, uh, someone told me just just recently because uh, I know some people in Canada, some pastors in Canada, and, and uh, but I, apparently there's a law there uh, that pastors cannot call homosexuality wrong. It's against the law in that country. And you think about it. You think I know there's a lot of people that want to make that the case here as well. Want to, you know, throw me in the slammer for preaching this this little message here tonight. Even though I love people, I'm not mad at anybody, and uh, and I love people and want to help people no matter what their their past is or their present or their future. Future, you know what I'm talking about? Uh, anyway, but I, I was thinking, why would they make that a crime? You know, punishable by jail and all these things. When Christians and pastors and and all these have been saying for years that sex outside of marriage or what's it's the biblical word is fornication is wrong, and we say that I'll say that I'll put all day long that's wrong. Get married. That's God's plan. Get married, then have sex. Right? Why aren't they making a law against me saying that? I don't, I don't know of any country. I don't Maybe the Muslim country. I don't know. They got some pretty stuff, tough laws for religion of peace. But, uh, you know, you can die for a lot of things. Get put... Sorry. Do I have to apologize for that too because it's culturally unacceptable to tell the truth about different... All right. Thanks. Uh, at least the front people are for me. Back people are saying, should, I, should we leave now or hear, hear him out? Hear him out. Hear me out. Come on, you don't want to judge something that, that you don't hear the whole thing. Anyway, why, why aren't they making laws against, against saying things like that? That's a good question. I, think, I really think there's a spirit behind this stuff. I, I believe there's a spirit behind it. And it's very destructive. It's very harmful. And the enemy wants to, wants to keep people in bondage. And make this, they want wants people to make their sex lives and, and, the, and what, by identifying with certain behavior, make that the thing in their life. You know just how, how money can become a God to people? Sex can become a God to people. And identifying with a certain sexuality can become a God to people. Just like I said, I've, uh, I've been able to help people. Uh, and not extensive experience, but there are those that do. But help people and and to come out of that lifestyle and change, and they're happy for it, they want to. I've also seen it where it didn't work out so well. We've had people in in our church that answer our altar call, and they're in that lifestyle. And you suspect it sometimes, uh, just by how someone carries themselves. I don't mean we should just be making no judgment calls, but sometimes it's there. It's like you wonder. And uh, anyway, people answer our altar call and then sign up to get, uh, well, one time they signed up, one woman signed up to have their her child dedicated, but there was another woman involved too. I thought, oh. And one of, one of the staff called and said, yes, we will dedicate your child. And she was signing up for baptism as well. I thought, awesome. Praise God. Have had no conversation, just came uh, to receive the Lord. I take people at their word. And, uh, and, and so when they were contacted, this person was contacted, they said, we'd be happy to dedicate your child to the Lord and so forth, but it will just be you coming forward, okay? Just want to make this clear. It's not you and another woman that's coming forward. 
And, uh, you know, because we're going to, we do, th- we believe the scriptures. We believe the word of God. And, and that wouldn't be right. We didn't know where this person stood with this. Hoping they're, they're like, yes, absolutely. <laughs> and, uh, j- j- but in this situation, it didn't work out well. What did they do? They said, well, we won't be coming to church there anymore. Okay. Well, we love you. Bye. You know, didn't kick them out. Want to help them. Someone just comes to the Lord. But what's happening is people are identifying with certain things and it's propped up by our culture. I'm going to identify with this more than I'm going to identify with God. More. You know, a a friend of mine uh, who pastors another church, he told me uh, they received a phone call and and I think an email as well, but asking, um, they said, I am a... This woman said, I am a lesbian. Can, uh, would I be accepted at your church? Could I come there to worship? And, and he told her, yes, you would be accepted uh, at our church. You can come here. But, we, you know, but he went on to say, and just to clarify, we do uh, believe the Bible. We do teach the Scripture here. We believe it's the Word of God and, 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 and so forth. And so we don't believe in that, li- that, that lifestyle is right but you are very welcome here. And how many know a whole lot of people in that lifestyle have a deep-rooted rejection in their life? A whole lot of them. I'm not saying all, I don't know, but I know it's fact that a lot of them do. But so we need to be absolutely accepting, loving, and all these things. And we are. And, uh, and anyway, this person's response to them was, well, I'm going to let God make the decision about that. Okay, so, so you see what the mentality is. This person was, I, I don't know if they were truly a, a Christian, if they were born again. That's not my call to make. But I know this, their mentality was, this is normal, this is the way things are, and I'm going to exalt God above His Word. Because He might want to say something different now than He said then. When the Bible says just the opposite, that He exalts His Word above His name. That means what he says is final. Heaven and earth passes away, my word will never pass away, Jesus said. And, and so these things are, are, are so, they are true. And, and I, I wanted to read just a, a couple uh, more scriptures. But we see there, that's under the law. God said it was, abom- it was an abomination. That basically means a disgusting thing. It's detestable. I realize that sounds like hard language. Do I consider a homosexual to be detestable? No, I consider them to be loved by God. Jesus died and paid their price for their sins. If I'm talking to you tonight, if that is you, I'm not going to expose you, not going to call you out, not going to embarrass you. I'm going to do the best I can to let you know how much God loves you and how much you are loved by me and hopefully everyone else in this room. But I can't love you and and say, no, but, you know, just do whatever you want, act however you want. I wouldn't say that to anyone. I wouldn't say to the alcoholic, well, we love you and God loves you. Drink on, dude. Drink your life away. I wouldn't say that to the, to the Christians who are unmarried and living together. Just do it however you want. That's society. That's normal today. No, I would say that's wrong. I wouldn't, you know, they come and get saved. I mean, I, I give everyone a chance to grow. I'm still growing. I'm not about to throw anyone under the bus and kick them to the curb and say, you're a lousy person because you're in sin. No, let's grow. God loves you. But as you see, His ways change. Everybody with me? 
And that's true whether someone is addicted to a substance, whether they're in a sexual, immoral situation, whether that's heterosexual or or homosexual. Uh, When we see that it's not God's way, then He'll make us free. He'll empower us. Amen. And so we're not kicking people out. We're not just casting them away, shunning and putting them aside. You're unworthy. No, you're loved. You're redeemed by the blood of Jesus. And if we can help you see that, you'll walk free and you'll truly be gay. I mean, happy. You know, happier than you've ever been before. Hallelujah. So, when it comes to these things, has God changed to this? Uh, no, He hasn't. Uh, we, I mentioned earlier in passing, Genesis 19 is a graphic illustration of God's judgment on a city because of those very things. Jesus talked about these things as well, by the way. Talked about Sodom and Gomorrah. I, I know there's a lot of discussion about, uh, and there has been about a gay gene or people born with certain sexual orientations uh, and from everything I've seen and studies absolutely not that there is no evidence of it and I've seen some studies that were really skewed um, but uh, and, and you can see it within them but I don't believe that so however if someone were to prove that I don't know I mean I'm not an expert in those fields I've read this that some people are more predisposed to alcoholism. What, what do I mean by that? That whatever, you know, some of you medical people know more about this, but the, the makeup of their physical composition, if they drink, they're more likely to become addicted than someone else who drinks. Has anyone ever heard anything like that? You know that? Well, so I guess they're born to be an alcoholic. And there's nothing they can do about it. No. See, that's not the case. There are people born with diseases. I mean, there are children born with mental problems and physical problems and all this stuff. That's not the will of God. Just Even if someone is, quote, born a certain way, then we live in a fallen world. We live in a sin-filled world. The devil has gotten into the human race and, you know what I'm talking about? People's DNA is messed up. And so what are we to do? If we see someone has a physical defect, we're going to believe God to change it. If someone has an, a, a mental deficiency, God can heal brain cells. huh? Uh, if someone has, uh, it seems, a leaning towards something that's ungodly, like same-sex attraction, that's not God. Whether they say they were born that way, again, I don't believe that. But even if someone said they are, it doesn't matter. It doesn't really matter. So God's grace is here to fix, to help any of us in whatever we do. Some people are just really angry. I was born angry. <laughs> Came out of the womb mad. You know, or maybe it's, maybe every, everyone in your family's that way. Or everyone in your family has heart disease or something like that. I don't think that's acceptable. I'm not saying that's of God. That's not of God. We should believe God to change things. Anything that's not right. Hallelujah. Let's look at Romans. Romans 1. Everybody okay so far? Don't send me an email. Don't send it to the church. They won't forward it. Unless it's nice. 
<laughs> if you have a sincere question, though, that's a whole other matter. <laughs> An honest inquiry. I mean, we'd be happy to talk and discuss and, and answer questions. And if you're struggling or someone in your family or a friend uh, with these things, hallelujah. <laughs> uh, not to my statement, but to that. Uh, and, uh, you know, we're, we're here to help best we can. Don't know everything, but we know the Word, and we help people with the Word of God. In Romans chapter 1, this is New Testament talking about this, this subject. There's multiple New Testament scriptures. This is one of them, verse 25. It says, it, it, talking about in verse 24, how, how, how God gave them up for, to uncleanness, which you'll find uncleanness is sexual sin. Uh, in the lust of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves. Verse 25, who exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worship and serve the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. Talking about people just doing things wrong. Uh, Verse 26, for this reason God gave them up to vile passions. In other words, they started worshiping creation. They wouldn't acknowledge God. God gave them up. That's called a turning over. It's like, okay, do whatever you want to do. You want to be this way? You want to reject the light? You want to do your own thing? You may. God gave them up to vile passions. For even their women exchanged the natural use for what is against nature. Notice natural and nature. Everyone knows this. A friend, a friend of mine told me this. Uh, in fact, a friend who he, one of, he was preaching in this church years ago. And he, he had an individual in his church and that used to be that got involved with uh, it was a guy who became a homosexual and then later got f- set free of it. And he, he told him, and I, I'm, I, don't, I can't verify this, he told him after he got set free, he said every single homosexual knows that it's wrong. This was one who used to be. I thought, wow. That, I mean, again, I can't verify that. I know there's a lot of lies that are believed. It wouldn't surprise me, though, that that's the case. Because God created us a certain way. There's things that are natural. There are things that are not natural. And for you to say it's not natural does not mean you hate. For you to say, I believe the Bible concerning this subject does not mean you're a hater. Does not mean you don't love people. You don't care about people. Just the opposite's true. I mean, I'm not saying there aren't anyone that isn't anyone out there that is mean and hateful and spiteful. There are, but that's not us. I mean, that's not Christians. I'm not talking about, you know, you hear on the news this... This, this group from this little tiny Baptist church down south that, you know, they go out there and they, God hates the homosexuals and all this stuff. That's a bunch of baloney. We would never do that. We would never say that. God doesn't hate homosexuals. He, 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 doesn't, wanna, he doesn't want them to go to hell. He doesn't want anything. No, Jesus died for all of us. Let's realize sin is sin. We don't magnify this sin and say it is the sin of all sins. No, lots of sins. Jesus died for them all. But this is a cultural hot button. And we're talking about being having our minds renewed. A little different kind of believers meeting tonight, huh? Uh, verse 27, Likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust uh, for one another. Men with men consider, uh, committing what is shameful and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error, which was due, which was due in verse 28. They did not like to retain God in their knowledge. God gave them over to a de- debased mind to do those things which are not fitting. And they were filled with unrighteousness. Again, they were, they were they're given a debased mind. They were given over to vile passions. This is God's perspective 
on these type of behaviors. Very clear. Okay? Someone said, I don't really, I just think we should, everything's equal. Just let people be themselves. No, we shouldn't be ourselves. We're supposed to walk like he walked. Okay? Themselves is, I mean, that's not who someone really is. Listen, if someone's a Christian, that is not their nature any longer. In fact, go over to 1 Corinthians 6. 1 Corinthians 6. You can see over here the nature of a believer. Someone said, well, just let people be who they are. Well, who are they? Here's who people are. You're either lost, dead in your trespasses and sins, or you're alive unto Christ. You're alive in Christ. You've been made righteous. You're one or the other. There's no middle ground there. Hmm? Now, in our minds, lots of middle ground. (laughs) Lots of gray area there. In our spirit, who we are as spirit beings, we're either saved or we're lost. We're We're either sinners or we've been converted. We've been born again and we're full of righteousness. All right. Now, now look at this. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 9. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites. And now notice the, the list there. That's, that's right there uh, listed with some other things. Nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revelers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. What is he doing? He's explaining the lifestyle, the things that characterize those who are not saved. Okay? But but, but here's the issue. He He goes on to say, verse 11, and such were some of you. How many know back then people changed? Back then, some of them used to be covetous. Some of them used to be sodomites. You see that from the city, Sodom. Some of them used to be homosexuals. What is What is he saying? They're not anymore. They're no longer those things. Why are they no longer those things? Because they're Christians now. Why are they no longer? They've been born again. They've been made the righteousness of God in Christ. That's who they are. If you've received Jesus, who are you? Say, ah, I'm a liar. No, you're not. Now, you may have a lying problem. (laughs) Say, who are you? I'm a fornicator. No, you're not. If you're in Christ, you're righteous in Him. Now, if you're practicing those things, those things are a part of your life, it's still not the real you. If someone gets saved and they're involved in homosexuality, maybe they were before or they fell into it afterwards. That's not who they are. That's not the real them. So you need to accept me as I am. Well, let's find out who you is. If you're in Christ, you're righteous. You're holy. You're pure. And if you'll see yourself that way... Those behaviors will lose their grip. Those evil forces that would pull you into that type of life will no longer have a grip on you. You'll be set free. And you'll, if you read this, the, the, the letters to the Corinthians, you'll find out some of the things that they used to be, they were, they were still doing. I mean, they had a lot of sin in their church. They had a lot of carnality. They had a lot of problems. And Paul said, you used to be this way. You, some of you, you, you know, uh, and such were some of you. And some of them still were. In other words, in practice, in their behavior, they were still acting that way, yet he didn't identify them by that. He identified them with Christ and not with their present sin. That's, how many know that's one of the biggest ways that we get free from anything? Don't see yourself as an addicted person. 
Don't see yourself as a mean person with an anger problem, with a with, with addicted to alcohol or addicted to sex or or a homosexual or or something. Don't don't stop seeing yourself that way. In Christ, you're not. In Christ, you're free. You're made righteous. You're made whole. You have victory. You're not even sick in Christ. You're not even diseased any longer. That's all. That's all been dealt with. Well, say, but I feel it. It's not about how you feel, what you feel and how you feel. It's about what's more real, and that is the finished work of the cross. And if you'll see yourself accordingly, it'll start showing up. I don't know how many people have told me over the years about getting set free from a smoking addiction. And they said, I was this way one, at one point, and the next point, I didn't even want it. And I haven't wanted it for years. And they were addicted like, you know, mega packs. You know, and just and smoking and and wanted to get set free, and the Lord set them free just like that, and they no longer want it. You know, one reason people want to identify with certain behavior is because they see themselves as being unhappy without that behavior. That's why some people don't really want to be set free from pornography, because why? It makes them feel good. They like the feeling of that activity. And so they don't really want to be set free. What if you could be set free to the degree that you didn't want it anymore? That you were just as satisfied, just as happy in life without it. Would you want it then? And that's, I believe that is absolute freedom in Christ. I don't mean we're ever going to deal, do away with all temptation in this life. We're not. But anything that we struggle with, we can literally, not just figuratively, not just in, in namesake, but literally be set free from it. And so uh, these guys, again, they were washed. They were sanctified. They were justified. And they were no longer the way they used to be. And that's our, that's our belief today. I think if we really love people, we tell them the truth. We don't just accept them, quote, the way that they are. I accept you. You accept me. But not everything about ourselves. <laughs> you know? I mean, if I'm, a, if I'm a liar and a cheat, I don't want you, I don't think, I wouldn't recommend as a pastor, pastoral counsel, I don't recommend you accept me like I am. I recommend you accept me in Christ, <laughs> love me for what's, you know, for, as a person, as a, a, a valuable person, but don't love those things about me. Amen. Love me unto change. Amen. Love me unto victory over my lying, cheating ways. Amen. You know, God wants to give people both mercy and grace. Mercy says your past is washed away. Every sin you've committed, it's gone. Grace says, I'm empowering you now to live for me going forward. We don't just need mercy. I'm forgiven, but I'm a lousy human being and I fail every two minutes. A lot of Christians live that way. I hear people talking. Uh, as Christians, we fail every day. I would never say that about myself. Even if someone else might say it about me. <laughs> I would never say that about me. Why? I'm trusting God for not only mercy for what I have done, but grace to go forward and be victorious. I'm an overcomer in Him. Whether someone else thinks I am or not, Jesus says I am. Jesus says you are. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And so, again, just trying to wrap some of these things up. You know, why do people, why are people involved in that lifestyle why are there homosexuals why are people attracted to someone of the of the same sex there's i i think there's multiple reasons 
And again, I can't, I don't claim to know all the reasons, but I know a very large number of them. I know this through personal contact and, and experiencing and working with people and, and, and reading about others. A very large number of people were abused as a child. Many of them were abused sexually. Always? I, don't, I can't say that. Large numbers, large percentages were abused sexually. And there's a connection to that. Do you see how, how we should be merciful and kind and loving towards people? Even if they're doing stuff that we maybe might be repulsed by? And say, oh, that's not right. Yeah, but what happened in their life? Man, and I know there's people. I, all we have to do is know percentages. And there's folks in the room. And you can relate and say, yeah, even if you didn't go down that path. Maybe you did, maybe you didn't. But a whole lot of people have been abused sexually. A lot of people, it's just emotional detachment. And they've been, they, they've been uh, hurt emotionally. And, be, and they've been rejected sometimes by a father or in different, different situations. All these things play into, it seems, an openness to going down certain lifestyles. And when they're offered opportunity, they walk through that door and end up in that bondage. And then they're told, this is who you are. You are always this way. You need to, everyone needs to accept you this way. And that's a lie. That's a lie that holds people in bondage. You know, with, with some people, uh, it's not only those things, but it, it's, it's, with some, it's the next step in a perverted lifestyle. Our society today encourages people to try things. I mean, it's amazing what happens even in what teenagers tell me happens in the high schools and things these days where even when I was in high school, it was unheard of. And now it's open season for people are encouraged to experiment and try things out and, 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 and do all, this, do all this, this stuff. And, you know, it opens doors to the devil. We need to recognize there's a spiritual world. Remember that? There is a spiritual world that has influence and the devil is looking for opportunities to get into people's lives and to influence them a certain way. You know, a lot of times people say, well, what about Jesus? He never said anything about this subject. Well, I don't see a specific teaching from the Lord Jesus, but he did deal with it. No doubt Jesus dealt with people who were in bondage to homosexuality. You say, "Where, where do we see that? We see it with unclean spirits. You remember Galatians 5 lists the works of the flesh, adultery and, 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 and fornication, uncleanness. Remember uncleanness? It's a sexual sin. Uh, it's, in, it's in that group of sexual sins, un, uncleanness. And sometimes the Bible said Jesus would cast out an unclean spirit. Now, that wasn't just a generic phrase that meant all kinds of demons. It was specific to demons that were influencing people into sexual immorality. And so, you know, like the guy who lived in the tombs and was naked and cut himself and all this stuff, and he didn't wear any clothes. How many know? People in their right minds wear clothes. Yeah. If you're influenced by the Spirit of God, you will wear clothing. Some people, I wonder, I think maybe they should wear different clothing. But that's another subject. No, I'm just kidding about that. But, uh, but, uh, but I'm telling you, the enemy will work in people to act certain ways that are not consistent with godliness. And what did Jesus do? Did he say, ah, uh, you know, you, you like to be naked. Some people like to wear clothes. Some people like to be naked. I mean, 
just whatever will be, will be. You're just meant to be that way. No. Some people like men. Some people like women. I just love, just love you and just do whatever you want to do. No. He would cast the spirits out of people. He would remove the satanic influence from their lives. And then, like that case, that the madman of Gadara, if you read the scriptures, uh, he was in his right mind and he was wearing clothes. In other words, he all of a sudden thought different about stuff. The spirits was, were, were gone. So Jesus did deal with this stuff, even though we don't have a lengthy teaching on it uh, uh, from Jesus. He was a preacher of righteousness. He told the woman in adultery, I, neither do I condemn you, but don't do this anymore. Knock it off. But I don't condemn you. See, that's our message, isn't it? We're not here to condemn people. We're not here to put them down, make them feel bad. But we are here to say, don't do that. Knock that off. God will help you. He'll empower you. He'll strengthen you to do right. And so, again, uh, uh, walking in love doesn't mean that we accept what is wrong. It just means we love people. Some would say, well, you have to accept all everything about me if you're really going to accept me. Well, I disagree with that. I disagree with that. Just like, like, like I said, if I'm doing something wrong, I don't want you to accept that. Just accept me and love me in the middle of my wrong, and your love will help me get out of it. And likewise, if someone's in, in sin in any area, including this, I don't have to accept it to accept them, even though they might think that. I accept them because God loves them. They're God's creation. He loves them. Jesus died for them. And, and I want to be uh, loving enough and truthful enough just to say it like it is. Okay? And offer hope and offer mercy and forgiveness. Amen. So the, how many know this is just one subject? And I'm not planning on going through a list of all the things that are culturally relevant for today. But, uh, uh, you know, this is one subject that we should maintain a biblical perspective on. If we don't, just like Lot, seeing and hearing every day, day in, day out, our righteous souls will be vexed by these things. And we'll change our thinking. No doubt probably many of us already have. You know, and I see prominent ministers coming out sometimes read articles and they're saying things that are directly opposite of the Bible so what are you going to do here you're a Christian I'm not going to judge whether you're a real Christian but I can tell you if you say certain things you don't believe that you don't believe God's word and so I'm a Bible believing Christian I believe in God's word we rightly divide the word but it's plain and clear and this pleases him when our minds are renewed to it not to the world around us let's not conform to the world amen Let's be strong, be loving, and live for God. Amen, amen, amen. Father, we're so thankful tonight for your goodness. So thankful for what you're doing in this place. We know that you're faithful. We know that you're right. You know that you're just. Father, I've shared these things from my heart. I believe this is your heart. You love us so. And so open our eyes to see. Help us to walk in the light of your word in the light of your truth. For this we give you thanks. In Jesus' name, amen.